There we go. Oh my gosh. Yes. Michael Dash on the Greatest Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your patience, man. And you know what? I'm probably going to just start recording right now. This is what it's like. My podcast is all about being conversational and no editing and just just being just people talking. Real talk. Awesome. Sounds great. Um, I'm so happy to have you on this thing, man. And I'm so happy to be talking to you. It's been, it's been way too long. And just to give our listeners a bit of a background, um, Michael Dash is an amazing man that I met at a retreat in Nicaragua a year and a half ago. I've seen him at multiple retreats since then. Uh, he is a man all about courage and, uh, it's just so perfect that he's on this podcast and, and I got to see him completely. I got to see you completely share yourself in uh, in Bali to 100 people in a way I've never seen before. It was just so raw and so uh, authentic and vulnerable. And, and uh, now you've written a book on addiction, and I, I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah, thank you, my man. The book is called Chasing the High, and it's actually about my personal journey through addiction and entrepreneurship and lawsuits and all the mistakes I made, but more importantly, the lessons that I learned and tangible uh, steps that people can incorporate into their lives when looking to, to make change. And, you know, I felt like I had a story to tell as I believe we all have a story to tell and I don't want people to make the same mistakes I did. So that's why I decided to write the book. That's amazing. And I I was with you, you know, we were living together uh, in Bali for a short time when you actually um, were telling me you're writing this book and you were like, I've got a little more to go. Honestly, when you were saying it, it sounded crazy. Like it sounded like you were just journaling. And then you're just like, now you actually have a book and it's out there and you've been, you know, driving all around the States, sharing about it and getting people to know about it. Because, I mean, really, that's such an important part of not only writing your message, but then allowing people to see it. Because there's obviously people out there that struggle with different addictions and are entrepreneurs. Um, but until they actually this comes across their desk or across their view on social media or something, um, they're not going to hear about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm part of a lot of entrepreneur organizations. Uh, One in particular is called YEC, Young Entrepreneurial Council. I have a lot of friends in there, uh, but also the retreats we've gone on, Unconventional Life, a lot of entrepreneurs at those retreats. And I see the systemic problem of addiction throughout. And it can be, you know, the addictions I had, which started with gambling, went to cocaine, went to GHB, lastly was with Adderall. I had all those addictions, but there's so many others out there. Uh, Even work is an addiction and eating is an addiction, drama, shopping, social media. I mean, anything that we're like running away from our emotions to escape for a few hours um, it, it really on a consistent basis it is an addiction. And a lot of us do that because we do want to just escape reality and it's the easy thing to do. But the reality is, you know, reality is going to hit us smack right in the face 
when we're done with these activities. And most of the time, the activities are not positive and healthy. And so you, they, they really affect us in a negative way. So you brought up like a really good point there. And this is what I, I'm curious about because I don't know what qualifies as an addiction. Like, how do you know, how did you know when you discovered you're addicted to something? Like, what are the, what are the signs or the traits? I think a lot of times that we know we're addicted to it, but we bury it in our subconscious. So it's about moving it from our subconscious to our conscious mind, where we're actively consciously aware of everything that we are doing. And we are not just doing, we are actually thinking before we are acting. So, you know, if we're going out on a consistent basis drinking, you know, there's a good a good uh, um, chance that we're addicted to it. You know, if we are looking for an escape every time we have to confront an emotion, whether it's, whether it's worry, fear, anxiety, it, it, we just want to run away from those instead of facing them. There's a good chance that it's an addiction. Everybody so- defines it differently. Um, but w- what I define it as a consistent behavior that is taking you away from reality that is, is, is negative in nature. So it's kind of like the distinction that I'm hearing you say is like the addiction starts when you're doing something to avoid um, like feeling unauthentic emotion or avoid dealing with something else that is actually important to you. Exactly. Exactly. And it's you. I mean, for me, it was my emotions. Like I didn't want to deal with my emotions, my emotional state, just in general. And, you know, I turned to gambling and, you know, gambling was always I didn't want to be let down by anybody. And I never was because my addictions were my best friend. And they are for most people. They are always there for us. People will come and go. But our addiction will always be there for us. It will never let us down. Like you can trust it and count on it. Thousand percent. You can't say that a lot of, about a lot of other things. So <clears throat> mentally, we convince ourselves that that is the way to go. So what did um, what did gambling like give you? Because obviously there was some sort of value for it, value around it to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep doing it. Um, until suddenly you realized there was some impact. Yeah. So gambling filled the void for me. It did two things. Number one, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love adrenaline. Like a lot of people I know, Mm -hmm. I think, I think you can resonate with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like to do epic things, but I like to feel that rush. Gambling first gave me the rush. Secondly, Mm -hmm. it allowed me to escape. Those were the two things that I like to do more than anything. You know, I I also had this kind of risk reward thing going on in my head. Every time I worked hard, put a hard day's work in, did did whatever, accomplished something. I'm like, all right, I'm going to reward myself now. Mm. I'm going to do it with gambling. I'm going to do it with cocaine. I'm going to do it with marijuana, whatever it was. Right, like no. you suffered for something, now you should get something out of it. Exactly. Interesting. So, so, so you got to feel, you got different kinds of emotions from gambling and, and drugs and whatnot. You got to feel 
you know, excited, a rush. Um, but there was, there was something that it was, it was covering up. There's something you didn't have to deal with by dealing, by doing that. Like, well, tell me more about that. Yeah. So just being, you know, when I was in relationships, I would use these other uh, addictions, really, these other methods of behavior to avoid, um, you know, the conversations that I didn't want to have in the relationship. And whether that's a, that was, you know, with a woman or even at work or even with my family. But you almost Whatever get distracted with by doing these other things, gambling, drugs, whatnot, you don't have to like really think about um, that emotion you're not addressing in a partnership or, or something else. Yeah, those crucial conversations. Right. Like fill you it know? up with something else. You fill it up with gambling. You fill up that space with something else. Exactly. And then like in the relationship specifically, I would let go, I would lean on like, let's go have fun. And fun for me then was doing drugs and partying and all these other stuff. And then that would distract the other person who was in the relationship with me also away from whatever problem we were dealing with. And then you could probably even be like, if they're not into it, you can be like, well, why aren't you being more fun and blah, blah, blah. And supposed to do that kind of angle about it. Yeah. It's just like a vicious cycle of avoidance. Right. So how do you, I mean, I'm sure I've got addictions. I'm sure anyone listening has addictions of some kind, but how do you, how do you discern it? Like, like when you're in that moment, when you are in, I'm going to go gambling because I don't want to have this emotional conversation about how me and my spouse are disconnected. Like, how do you even go from, how do you even notice that? How do you see it? Cause in the moment, I'm sure you don't, people don't see it. Like I'm sure there's addictions. I don't see well, I mean, in, in order to see it, you have to have self-recognition first. When you have, after you have some self-recognition, you can start to set up roadblocks so that when you do go become in that state, it makes it that much harder for you to go run to that activity. And then the harder it gets, the more time you have in between there to actually stop and think and move it from the con- subconscious to the conscious. So when I always would rely on gambling, I would, you know, when I was trying to get clean or when I was getting clean, one thing I did was I put this technology on my computer called Gamblock. So every time I went to log on to a gambling website, it would shut the computer down. (laughs) Nice. Now, there are ways to get around that. Right. I'm sure sure you found some ways to get around that. Right. It was like an added step for you to have to go through. Exactly. And then you're all of a sudden you're thinking like, hey, do I really want to do this? I know that I know that feeling when I wake up in the morning after I've gone gambling for five hours or for an hour or for whatever. And that feeling is emptiness, Mm -hmm. self-loathing you know, isolation. And the problem hasn't gone away. The problem's still there. I'm waking up to the exact same situation. Mm-hmm. You, the interesting thing is the, the, the challenges and uh, issues that we run from are a set of facts that have no emotions tied to them. But we go off running thinking that they'll be gone when we come back. Mm. But in the reality, they're facts. 
their circumstances. They're not, they're not leaving. They're not going anywhere. Right. You have to come back to them and, and address them. And I think that's what we fail to kind of understand and comprehend when we go running off to these other vices. Right. It's like if we go work out today and we feel amazing and inspired, we almost pretend that we're not going to have to deal uninspirational talk the next day about whether or not to work out. Right. Like right. We still, we still have to address every day. You'll have to deal with the, do I feel like it? I don't want to cost benefit analysis, blah, blah, blah. But when you actually have that win, it's almost like this illusion, this mirage, like, Oh my God, I've conquered that beast. I never have to deal with it again. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now the positive is when you go work out, you feel good about yourself physically, but that trans that, that, that goes to your mental state also. And then you're in just a much better position to have that conversation, to right. deal with that situation. Like you're more equipped to, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that practice is building your muscle in saying no to gambling, saying no to whatever food is not supporting you saying yes to the right activity for you. hundred percent. And that's why, you know, there's a chapter in my book called the habit of habit making. Hmm. And that's why it's so important to build habits into your routine. But the whole goal is to continue to evolve. So as we evolve as people, the same habits, even if they're positive, that we had five years ago, most likely won't serve us now. Right. So it's important to continue to tap into our curiosity, to try new activities and to see what activities resonate with us and then rebuild our habits. And I'm a firm believer in continuing to refine and build habits that serve you at different points in your life. And I do that through tapping into the power of curiosity, which so many people I feel forget about as we can, as we grow into adulthood um, and as we take on more responsibilities and just kind of become robotic. Mm. I love that. Tapping into curiosity. I think that's so beautiful. I think, yeah. I mean, if you want to look at a, a behavior pattern that's unhealthy, you've got to be willing to be curious about why do I like it so much? Why am I doing that? Is there really, is, am I really getting what I want out of this? Uh, I think that's, I think that's a beautiful way to can, learn for life. Yeah, thank you. And then the opposite of that is, okay, let me try other activities, even if I've heard negative things about them from people that I know. Because I feel like what a lot of people do is they show, this is what I did at least. I, I'm not going to judge what a lot of people do. This okay. is what I did, okay? My friends or people around me would tell me, oh, those people that talk about energy and flow, they're a bunch of weirdos. Stay away from them. Yeah, I've had that, that conversation myself. That that meditation stuff, it's a bunch of nonsense. Mm. You know, don't stay away from it, okay? Just you're a man, just suck it up and deal with it. Mm. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? That's like the most uh in my opinion, ass backwards thinking that you could have. And uh, it's the way I lived the majority of my life until the last three years. 
So like trying things that other people are like the soshishi that's so weirdo. You're a weirdo. Like a sound bath, for instance. If you've never gone, if you any of your listeners have never gone to a sound bath, I highly recommend checking out a sound bath. It's one of the most relaxing, rejuvenating things that I've ever done. And, and you know what it makes me feel? It actually makes me feel high. And I don't have to take any drugs right, without the side effects. And, and it's beautiful. So, and if, if, you know, your listeners don't know what a sound bath is or a sound healing, uh, an instructor has a sound bowls and a couple other instruments. And you basically are laying down for about an hour and, and kind of meditating. They're, they're guiding you through it, though, with sound. And you're just relaxing and releasing all the tension and everything that's happened to you that day. And it's really just so soothing and, and rejuvenating to me that I can go to one of those and, you know, eliminate all the worry and stress in my life for, for that hour and then feel 100% better when I leave. Thank you for bringing that up. That's, that's awesome. I've been to one sound bath and um, it was in Grand Prairie. My aunt took me to it. And it was in this dome. So the sound was like even amplified even more where if you spoke on one side of the dome, like whispered, someone on the other side could hear you. So everything was like just circling with sound. And, and it was amazing. It was, it was really amazing. Everyone in the room, it was just my family, like my aunt, uncle, cousin, um, had their own unique experience. Um, but I thought it was, it was you know, very unique. And, and really, we had to tap into our curiosity to even go because it sounds so strange it sounds so weird i'm going to be bathing in sound yeah and this is where it's so i think your message is so important and you know so many people who kind of tapped into both worlds whether that be the kind of the mainstream corporate you know i don't know if you want to call it the obvious world and then this other world where people are trying totally radical things like sound baths and and retreats and different things and breath work and and, and all these more introspective i don't even know what you call them it's so important that the people who do both share this message because i think some people do it so much that they come and talk to the more common population in in western world and when they talk we're like what the hell are you talking about you sound crazy <laughs> you know and and then the then you've got this person who's got like this magic this medicine for other people but the way they talk about it sounds so strange that nobody wants to take the medicine, even though it will for sure benefit them. So it's so important for people like you to be able to communicate it in a way that people can actually hear it. Otherwise they won't even try anyway. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. That's why I'm talking about these things because I was on the other side. I was that guy mm -hmm. for over 30 years who would say, what is the matter with these people? Well, you know, what are you telling me about energy and like flow? Just, oh, follow your intuition and everything will work out. Like what a <laughs> bunch of bullshit, you know? And I, I firmly believe that. I mean, I'm from the East Coast. So like I was brought up a certain way where that we weren't exposed to any of that stuff. And if we weren't exposed to it, then it wasn't good. That right. was the mentality. If it wasn't like right? already around you, then don't trust it. Exactly. Don't trust it. That, well said. 
don't trust it. But I implore, I challenge everybody to go out and do one activity that you've never done before that you might have an impression of because you heard from other people, but you actually have never given it a try. Mm. Do one thing. And, you know, not everything's going to resonate with you, but there will be certain things that do, and it will open up doors and horizons that you could never imagine. And I only say it because it has for me. Right. And it took time and I had to try a few things and I didn't, not everything resonated with me, but I found several different practices that do. So I can resonate with that person who's going to tell me that they they talk to angels. Right. I mean, I could sit and have a conversation with that person and understand, you know, okay, I'm not going to judge you. Now I don't really actually believe you talk to angels, but if you believe it, and you're harnessing some energy from it, I'm going to sit and listen to you. And something you say may resonate with me. Versus before, I would just totally avoid that person whatsoever. I wouldn't even speak to them, give them time of day or anything. Right. They've said that. So therefore, clean slate. They already who they are who they are. And there's nothing available for me here. Yeah, exactly. 100%. But that's the way, that's how you stay in the exact same spot. You're always, mm-hmm. you will always be in. That's how you never grow in life. And th- that's not any way to live. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really, that's a beautiful, if, if anybody wants to look at like, what is the impact of not trying those new things? That would be the impact that you're going to stay where you are complaining about the same things we're complaining about. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a big enough motivation for me, for sure. And I'm really glad that you've invited people to try something new because this podcast is all about courage. And I am a 100% believer that in order to try that something new, in order to listen to something in a new way, there needs to be an element of courage present to go walk into the room of the sound bath or to go look at this possible addiction I might have, just ask some questions about it. Or to go to that men's group or yeah. to go to this women's group or, you know, any of those things. It, it takes it takes courage. It also takes dropping our ego and understanding that anybody who's judging you is judging themselves. It's not a judgment on you. It's a judgment on themselves. And those people should have little to no bearing on the decisions you make in your life. That's amazing, man. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about more about your book. And, and um, you know, with addictions, most commonly we think of addictions, we think of drugs. You know, gambling isn't the first thing that comes to my mind. Porn isn't the first thing that comes to my mind. But these are things I've started to become more aware of. But I often think of the words rock bottom. That's like so commonly associated like with addictions to me where I think, okay, you only come out of an addiction once you've hit rock bottom, which I hate the thought of that. I hate that we have to like thinking that we have to go so low in order to come out of something. Um, what's, what's your stance on that? Do you talk about that at all in your book? Well, I, I, I'm the opposite of what you're describing because now I've had many rock bottoms, but none of them are the reasons I stopped anything, any of the mm, addictions I had. Yeah, I stopped the addictions through, uh, you know, really tapping into that power of curiosity is is what led me to check 
my first Gamblers Anonymous meeting out. I mean, I was taking a simple ride. You know, I started gambling when I was 11. I gambled for 20 years, almost wow. on, a daily, on a daily basis. Wow. And my brother and I were driving up to Massachusetts for Thanksgiving. And my brother wouldn't let me turn on sports radio. And I was arguing back and forth with him, telling him I needed to hear what was going on with the injury report so I could bet on the Thanksgiving Day games. Right. And he told me, no, I'm, I'm going to Gamblers Anonymous. I can't listen to this anymore. And he didn't ask me to go, push me to go or anything. But we listened to music those three hours, and it was a soothing ride. And I felt like, wow, it's so calming. My mind was actually quiet, you know, for mm. three hours. Wasn't going all over the place. What did this Gamblers Anonymous do to my brother? I need to find out. So that's what led me to my first Gamblers Anonymous meeting. Uh, and I was gambling every day. I was at work playing party poker on the computer, and my boss would walk by. I'd have to minimize the screen. I had the newspaper open, and it was in between a business publication, and I was reading the newspaper and the, and the lines on the sporting games, and, and I had it folded with a, you know, in between. <laughs> like, so they thought I was reading like up on business trends and stuff. Right, right. I would I would leave clubs in New York City with my boys. We'd have a table full of girls, bottle service, like what you dream of, what you see in the movies, all that jazz. Right. And I would tell my boys, "Hey, I got to go. I'm going to meet an ex-girlfriend. You know, it's a, it's a it's a sure thing, so I got to take it." But I wasn't meeting an ex-girlfriend. I was going home. So I could pop open a computer, play party poker all night, blow lines of cocaine alone, and then do it till the sun came up only to smoke weed until uh, I so I could go to sleep, sleep for three hours, wake up and start gambling on the sports games that day. And I did this for years. So you would think some of those days would be the rock bottom, but it wasn't. It was that little conversation in the car with my brother that got me to go and check Gamblers Anonymous out. And once I went in, I stayed in and never gambled again and worked the program hard. And last week was 14 years for me uh, since my last bet, which was great. And I actually just came from a meeting uh, before we, uh, we did this uh, uh, podcast. Congratulations, man. 14 years. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. I just, uh, it was 14 years there, but then I transferred it with the coke and the adderall and the ghb so it's it's been interesting journey you know there's a lot of uh, addictions a lot of people are cross addicted um and for now is the first time in my life where you know I, i'm not addicted to anything and you know it's been a year since i've done this uh ghb and adderall and um i never want to do it again that's amazing man that's so amazing that you're able to um you know, transform your habits that way. And uh, that's, that's, this, that's courageous. I really acknowledge you for your courage to your courage to seek help um, and, and your courage to write this book and put like all your experiences out there on display uh, in the hopes that someone else uh, can end an addiction and get curious about themselves. I appreciate that. And hopefully your audience will get the book and I think it can have a benefit 
uh, by incorporating some of these things. And, you know, it's all about experience and all these doctors write these books and everything because they studied things for years. But, you know, I, I actually experienced it. it. Yeah. You're on the yeah, I lived it. I lived the, and you know, I just for a long, a lot lot of my life, I just didn't know where to turn and where to go to. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the the importance of connection between all of this and finding your tribe and finding people that are like-minded that you can lean on when you're going through challenges that won't judge, but will support. Mm. That's the key. So people, so I really, I'm happy to, so happy to have you on here and so happy to be sharing about your book. Is there anything else that, you know, you want to share about your book for, for like who it's for, the kind of people it's for and, and what, you know, why it would be valuable for them if you haven't figured that out already? Oh, no, I definitely uh, know who it's for. So really anybody who wants to change their life is in a negative place and wants to change it. I was there. I relate to you. It can be about addiction and it doesn't have to be though. It could be about isolation, which I isolated myself a lot. But the fact of changing and transforming is actually very easy. And people have convinced themselves that it's hard, but it's not. Change is easy. Like you and I could change anything we want right this second. What people confuse change with is what they imagine the result of that change is. And that result of change takes time. But the change itself doesn't. The change can happen right now. If It's like if you want to lose weight, well, you know, just by eating well for a week, that doesn't mean you're going to get the results of losing weight. And a lot of people are like, oh, this isn't doing anything. So they quit. Mm-hmm. No, you have to put the work in. But the change itself can happen immediately. So the book is for anybody who wants to transform from a negative state to a positive mindset. Steps on how to do that. I happen to be an entrepreneur and an addict. And if you're in that position, then you'll resonate even deeper. Mm-hmm. But um, it really has a broad audience. That's amazing, man. I'm so grateful. I'm excited to read your book. I'm so grateful I know you and was around when you were writing it. You guys, if you don't like know already, this guy was in a moped accident in Bali and like hurt his leg real bad, couldn't walk and was writing anyway, like in action around what, what matters to him. And now he's on this book tour and, and uh, you know, I'm just, I'm so proud of you, man. And, and I'm so grateful that you have the courage to share your message and, to continue to choose actions um, that will support others. Uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, uh, the opportunity to share. And uh, it's uh, if anybody is interested in the book, it's chasingthehighbook.com, nice and easy. And I'm also starting a program. If you have entrepreneurs out there, my mission is with this program I'm starting, which is under my platform, FATE, F-A-T-E, from addict to entrepreneur. Uh, I'm starting a program to work with business leaders and entrepreneurs who are dealing with addictive and compulsive behavior challenges that are affecting them as business leaders, as family members, and as friends. And I'm having a webinar July 1st. And if you're interested in that, you can just go to my website, Michael G. 
dash.dash.com and you can sign up for it there. Okay, amazing. So Chasing the High is the book. July yes. 1st webinar for uh, from Addiction to Entrepreneur. Yeah, and... it's fate. It's, uh, yeah, Michael G. Dash, fate, forward slash fate masterclass. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get you to send me all these and I'll put it in, great. Uh, in the bio for the, for the podcast. Perfect. Um, and, and how can people find you on social media and whatnot? Yeah, on Instagram, I'm MDASH1. And on Facebook, I'm Michael Dash, Michael.Dash1. Um, so I'm fine. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. So any of those, um, I, I have a Twitter, but I'm not really a tweet, tweet person. Are yeah. you, you tweet? No, I've got, I've got it, but I, I don't, I, I literally have been trying to like get used to more apps and trying to like spread my message to more people. So I'm trying to download all these things, but the only time I ever use Twitter is when I post something on Instagram and then it has that little button that says, want to add to Twitter? And then I just add it to Twitter. <laughs> I don't even do that. I should start doing that. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple. It's it's classic. The classic thing, right? If it's not easy, uh, sometimes I just don't do it. Yeah, but you, they can easily find me. Also, I also have a Facebook page, Michael Dash Fate. Cool, man. That's so amazing. I'll, I'll include all this in the bio. And uh, just to finish off here, I asked this question um, of everyone I talked to, and, and me and my my buddy Manny asked this of her of each other every week, which is um, where was courage present uh, and missing uh, in your past week? My past week? I think it's been an interesting week. So I had a book event in Los Angeles and I talked about everything. I think courage was definitely present there, present in this conversation. Um, Where was it missing? Uh, I can't say it was missing this week. Maybe it was missing a couple weeks ago uh, when I, I really wanted to express something to, oh, actually, no, I know where it was missing. So it was missing this week in a conversation I had with my parents. In the book, I talked about how my view of how I grew up was, and I heard that it hurt my parents. It upset my parents mm. um, because I have a different view than they do. Mm. And uh, I, I was lacking the courage to get into that conversation in depth with them. I will. I just uh, haven't yet. Mm. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that. I, I can I can totally get that you want your parents to, you know, feel great and respected and loved, and at the same time, you also want to be able to fully express yourself. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been. Uh, one of the most challenging aspects of, of revealing everything. Mm, no doubt. No doubt. Thank you so much, man. It's so great to have you, Michael Dash. You are an inspiration. You're an amazing guy. And uh, I'm just grateful to have this conversation with you. It was awesome speaking to you as well, Simon. Can't wait till we're back in action together. <laughs> Me too, buddy. Me too. I'll, I'll post all the stuff. Uh, in our bio so you can contact Michael make sure you get his book if this resonates with you we thank you for listening Um, please give us a rating comments all that good stuff the more engagement the better see you buddy see ya